The Women's Football Podcast, in partnership with Her Game 2. Hello and welcome to the Women's Football Podcast in association with Her Game 2. I'm Luke Edwards and this is our look at a women's game from the Champions League to the National League and beyond. Now, we've given all the females a week off because it's Mother's Day. All the mothers out there, we wish you well. I know you're all doing stuff with your daughters and their daughters are doing stuff with their mothers. So it's just me. And it is the editor of the FAWSL full-time magazine, Dan Pentland. He's with me as well. Hello, Dan. Hi, Luke. Now, last week was a busy week on and off the pitch for Spurs. On Tuesday, Rianne Skinner was sacked after a run of nine straight defeats, so assistant Vicky Jepsen took charge of the big six-pointer against Leicester City. Earlier on, I caught up with Rachel Cohen from the N17 Women's Podcast and at the Spurs Women's Blog. I think it was unsurprising given the nine consecutive losses in the WSL, but it was still sad because she'd done a lot for the club and she was somebody who was clearly very much liked by the players and by fans who had met her. So mixed emotions, I guess, for a lot of people. But at the same time, it was clear that the club had to do something because we were sliding slowly into a more of a relegation battle. Yeah, and of course, um, we've talked a lot on the uh, on the pod about the January signings that, that Spurs made, really sort of impressive signings on paper. Um, but there was concerns over the defensive side. Going forward, you look OK, but that was more the concern the defence, wasn't it? Mm. Um, and that was partly probably contributed towards the sacking, do you think? Because you didn't get the best out of maybe the, the January signings that you brought in. I think it's been a it's been really hard to work out exactly what's going on, and that's partly because the first five defeats actually came before Christmas, and in some ways that was when the team was playing worst. And you know we talk about especially the games against West Ham and Everton, which were the last two games in the run up to the break. And at that point, it was the team hadn't scored for five games. They had you know the defense was quite chaotic there was a series of mistakes being made the January transfer window definitely strengthened the team and by the time both Bethany England and Manorio Bucci were in the team which was from the second game in January you think started to look a little bit more coherent but at the same time mistakes were still happening some of the defense as you said was it wasn't the strength that we had last season and that's probably about the defense it's also though about the defensive midfield and the loss of Maeve Clemeron, who was absolutely massive for us last season and left in the summer. And so it's, some of it's about sort of issues across the whole uh, pitch, really, rather than specifically either attacking or defending. But you're, but you're right. The, one of the things that the January transfers did do is they meant that Spurs started scoring. And so we have consistently now been scoring in games. Um, and up until the most recent game after Rianne's departure, we had scored in lots of games and then gone behind afterwards. And so a lot of it was about keeping a lead, which was a different problem than we'd had before Christmas. How excited were you when you saw Spurs bringing in the likes of Bethany England and Manor and Abucci? I think, I mean, they were massive. So we'd been talking about how much we'd needed a striker for just so long. And there's that's no aspersions on Nicola Karczewska, who was brought in in the summer, but especially in the first few months of being at Spurs, she hardly got any starts and she was her minutes at the moment are pretty much the same as Bethany England's, despite Bethany England only coming in in January. So there were issues around her ability to play a full game. And without her, there was nobody left because of injuries, because of other things. And even last season, we didn't have a striker. So having a striker like Bethany England was massive. And we've seen that since she's been at Spurs, 
her impact has been immense. So, I mean, there are definitely, you know, she has been our main goal scorer since her arrival. But she's also, because of how difficult she is to defend, created spaces for other players. And so we've seen players like Rosella Ayan, who has not had a great time at Spurs in the past, suddenly being a better player because of Bethany England being on the pitch. We've seen Drew Spence combining with her more interesting ways than she had previously. And Manu Ibuchi has been really important as well, just in terms of progressing the ball and keeping the ball. Because one of the things that we were seeing in the sort of pre-Christmas period was just our inability to hold on to the ball, to do anything. It was intensely frustrating to watch. And I think Manu has been really big there. She's also, and this is something I didn't know about her, she's just so determined to get the ball. So she is a, such a fighter. And that has been something that I think both her and Bethany England have brought. And that determination is really important, especially when you start going a lot of games without a win and you need to keep going. Rianskin is assistant. Vicky Jepson took charge at that big six-point against Leicester in the week. And they won 1-0 thanks to a brilliant goal from Beth England. That separated the two sides in the end. And that was a big, big win for Spurs, wasn't it? Yeah, it felt, I mean, probably, I mean, I was at the 8-0 win when we beat Brighton, but this one felt better even just because it was so long coming and it mattered so much. And obviously at this point, it makes, you know, against Leicester, who are at the bottom of the league, this would have put them above us if they'd won. And so it just, it was one of those classic six-pointers. Like you say, Bethany England's um, goal was amazing. It followed on some fabulous footwork from Drew Spence in the middle of the pitch, which was like got the ball out and to Roz, who passed it to Bethany. I think it was also the defence, which was really important, and the fact that everybody was pitching in and going back, um, getting their bodies behind the ball. Tini Coppella, who has been in goal much more this season than last season, where it was split more equally between her and Becky Spencer, was really important in this game and just calmed things down, made crucial saves, and then also, you know, kept the ball, you know, slowed, especially in the last few minutes when you're going into injury time, was clever about how she uh, distributed it. On the flip side, how big a defeat was that for Leicester? I was reading their Twitter and they were kind of cursing the look a little bit. And that means there's now six points between Spurs and Leicester. Yeah, I think it really makes a difference. Obviously, now we've actually got another two teams in between us as well. So there's Reading and Brighton, although Brighton have games in hand. Uh, and I think Leicester looked good. I mean, you know, we, we knew ahead of time that... They've been playing a lot better since the break and their keeper especially is on fire. I thought Ruby Mace had a really good game against us. So they definitely look like they've got enough that they could stay up. But at the same time, I think, you know, they saw this as, you know, and I, their coach in advance was talking about Spurs being a bit of a, I think it was wounded, wounded kitten and that therefore this was a really good chance to get points off us and, you know, make it, almost impossible for us to keep going especially with our next game against Arsenal so I think that failing to beat us failing to get even a point is going to matter to them and again it's a lot of it's about confidence isn't it yeah and as you mentioned a big derby coming up <laughs> yes a big derby coming up uh obviously last season we we got our first ever points against Arsenal in the equivalent game where we um drew one all if we got the same result this time that would be nice um obviously for us it's not just about getting the points and staying up and you know if we're looking to how we do that this game is probably not the most likely place for us to get those points but it would be really nice to um you know hurt Arsenal a little bit as they try and get back into the top three making it more difficult for them is always an added bonus for us so 
It's going to be a tricky one. It's going to be at Brisbane Road, and I think it's likely to be quite a big crowd. And that's the first time we'll have had a really big crowd at Brisbane Road because um, some of our other games have been played in the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So this one could be fun. I'm not entirely looking forward to it, though. So quickly, Dan, what what did you make of the, the, the sacking of Rianne Skinner? I mean, I'm somebody who's always gone really well with Rianne and I've always kind of appreciated her views and always kind of believed that she'd get where she wanted to be with Spurs. Um, so, yeah, I, I was gutted when I heard the news at the start of the week. Um, you know, I know she worked, she's worked hard. She's obviously brought a lot of players in. You know, at the times have played some good football. Um, you know, ultimately it's driven by results, isn't it? And if you lose nine games on the trot and, you know, it, it's, it's a bit of a money league now as well. You know, if you get relegated, it's going to be difficult to come back first time. Obviously, there's a, a difference in finance as well if you go down and you know they were creeping closer and closer to the relegation zone so yeah it was um, a decision that was probably right um, I was disappointed for Rihanna I was you know upset for Rihanna really um, but you know she, she she has had some bad luck with injuries and and such like but um, you know ultimately you know the club need a change they've opted for a change and you know let's hope that they can kick on from here obviously they won on Wednesday so yeah, they'll they'll want to be looking up the table now instead of down. It's FA Cup quarterfinal weekend, and again, the most intrigue around it was the Championship side Lewis hosting Manchester United, and a lot of the build up around this, of course, is how Lewis run the club. And Dan, we we know how well they are on the uh, the equal side of it. You know, the men's and the women's team they're paid equal amount of money, aren't they? They champion about having equal or at least better prize money in the FA Cup as well, like the men's competition. In fact, the club sent an open letter out to Karen Carney as well. So before we get on to how they got on, on the pitch, off the pitch, they're doing a lot right, aren't they? Absolutely. Um, you know, they, they always have since they've been in the, the second tier. And, you know, even before that, you know, certainly the men's and women's side of the club really kind of pushed things. Um, but, you know, I, the club are very proud about the equality and, you know, pushing for women's rights, all that sort of thing. But equally, I don't want to be missed kind of what, what's been great happening on the, the pitch this season. I think the seventh in the championship, which is a good achievement for that club. Scott Booth's come in and, you know, built a really good team and, you know, they're playing good football, they're scoring lots of goals, they're not conceding many goals. So, yeah, you know, there's two sides to the story with Lewis, two really good sides to the story, Um, you know, and, you know, it's it's great that they provide a voice, you know, to the off-field stuff. But, um, you know, equally on the field, I've been really, really impressed with them this season. Yeah, and on the field against Manchester United, they gave a good account of themselves, but ultimately they bow out of the competition after a 3-1 defeat. They got off to a worst possible start when Rianne cleverly put through her own net. Vilda Boarisa added a second before Emily Kraft did give Lewis some hope when she got a goal back. But when Nikita Paris added a third in the last minute to end the dream. And uh, what was interesting as well, Dan, that Manchester United paid full respect, didn't they, by putting out a full-strength side? Yeah, I think that too, to be fair. Fake up, chance of, you know, taking another step to Wembley. You know, they've not been there yet as a professional women's side. So, you know, Man United have to take the FA Cup really, really seriously as much as they do the title. Um, so, yeah, they had to do it. Um, they did do it and... You know, Lewis gave them a game which, you know, was pretty much what I expected. But, you know, ultimately the quality shone through in the end. I was going to say because certainly um, there's been a couple of, of mismatches between WSL sides and championship teams in the FA Cup this season. So were you quite pleased that 
it was a quite uh, quite a tight game for a while. Yeah, I think so. And I think if you look at Lewis's results this season, particularly at home as well, um, they don't get battered by anybody. And I think that's probably you know it's probably equally as, as much away from home as well. You know, they're, they're a solid side. Um, you know, they have had one or two heavy results, but they've been few and far between. Um, you know, they're a very, very respected team. And I think, you know, particularly with that bumper crowd behind them today as well, I think it was never, ever going to be a runaway win for United. I think, you know, the, the crowd were up for it. Lewis players were up for it. You know, Scott Booth knows how to set his side out really, really well and make them hard to beat. And, um, you know, I, I think... Yeah, they give a real good account of themselves. It's quite a tight scoreline. You know, if if anything, they might even think that they were maybe capable of keeping things even tighter than they did. But yeah, I think, um, you know, it was never, ever going to be a drubbing for them today. Yeah, the championship side's participations are over for this season as Birmingham were defeated at home by relegation-threatened WSL side Brighton. It was two goals in four minutes, which saw them home in the end. Poppy Patterson put the WSL side ahead in the 28th minute directly from a floated corner. Then Daniel Carter doubled the visitors' lead with a composed penalty after Brianna Vesali was clipped in the box. And Brighton, they've never made it to an FA Cup final before, having lost their only semi-final appearance in 2020 to Arsenal. And a much welcome relief for Brighton in terms of that win, hasn't it? Certainly with the season they've had and what's happened over the last few weeks as well. Yeah, you know what? They've got to give Amy Merricks the job. Um, you know, she's loving every minute of it, um, being interim coach. You know, she's a very bright young coach. She wants to be a head coach. Um, you know, that this is the third good result they've had, or good performance they've had on the spin now. You know, they played well in, in defeat against Chelsea and Man City. Um, you know, and, and going to Birmingham's not an easy place. They lost there in the County Cup earlier in the season. So, you know, to go there and win, you know, comfortably in the end as well. Um, you know, shows a little bit of progress and, you know, show, shows kind of the mentality of where the team is at the minute. So, yeah, if, if I was Amy Merricks, I'd probably be kind of banging on the board's door, hopefully, and pushing to get the job full time, at least till the end of the season. It's a funny one with Brighton, isn't it? Because we see how the men's side is so well run, but the, the women's side seems to be a bit, it's all a bit up in the air at how they're running it at the minute, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's difficult. It's difficult. Um, you know, obviously the the facilities down there are fantastic. They're the, probably the best for players. You know, in the Super League or not far off the best. Um, so you know the players have got everything down there. You know, they've got lots of great staff. Um, you know, I, th- I think obviously with Hope Powell's tenure, she got them into what was it sixth position a couple of seasons back, and you know it was always the question then where did they kick on from there. That's always the challenge for any team who seem to creep into the top half, you know, how, how they then progress to the next level. I know there was, she kind of said tongue-in-cheek about Champions League and that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, it's difficult to obviously replicate that when you're a kind of mid-table team and recruitment didn't go well over the summer. They missed out on a lot of their targets and started the season a little bit short. Um, and, you know, obviously Hope, Hope took them as far as she could and, you know, they took the time over appointing Jens Scher into the role and it didn't work out for whatever reason with him. So, you know, they do need stability. It hasn't been a great season. It's been a turbulent one. Um, but, you know, that that's why I think they're bringing Amy Merricks in full-time now, somebody who knows the club, somebody who proved that she's popular with the players and, you know, can get them organised. I think that's a really, really important move for the club. 
you know, just to get some stability and solid foundations down for next season. Chelsea comfortably made it three past Reading, Jess Carter and a Marion Miel. The penalty had them 2-0 up before the half-hour mark. Gura Wrighton added a third with a pick of the goals before Sani Trollisgaard pulled a goal back for Reading. And would you say Chelsea are now favourites for this competition? Probably would. Um, you know, I, I think the, the semi-finals is going to be a, a big one, depending on who they pull out of the hat. Um, you know, just because of the games they've got, obviously Champions League's coming back next couple of weeks, isn't it? So, um, yes, they probably are the favourites. And to be fair, you've got to give credit to Chelsea today because I know they've beaten Reading and Reading are quite kind of low down in the Super League table. But, you know, Chelsea have had, you know, a pretty frantic run of games, which is only going to get more kind of hectic in the coming weeks. Obviously, they lost the their other cup, they lost the County Cup final the other week and you know they bounced back really well so you know credit where credit's due to Chelsea and yeah they've got every chance of another Wembley appearance yeah the draw will be made on Tuesday morning on BBC One and a name in the hat will be Aston Villa they beat Manchester City and Villa have got a really good record against City this season and that continued in this game as Rachel Corsi opened a scoring on 20 minutes and it looked like they were doing it again, but Danny Castenos equalised on 38 minutes. There was no further goals in normal time. So it went to extra time and eventually Rachel Daly scored yet again. She popped up to score the winner in extra time. And they seem to have the Indian sign over City, don't they, Villa? Yeah, and let's, let's face it, in the nicest possible way to Manchester City and, and their fans, thank God for Villa in the quarterfinals because it was looking like we weren't going to get a shock. I know all kind of the favourites were away and, you know, the, the less fancied sides are at home. So, you know, well done to Villa for causing, you know, what, I'm, what I know Carla thought was an upset or was going to be an upset if they could pull it off. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, they've done really well against City, but, you know, the, the squad they've got now, I know I watched them at West Ham last week and, you know, when you've got players like Jordan Nobbs and Rachel Daly and, you know, just the movement that they have is just on another level to a lot of those mid-table sides. Um, you know, from from front to back, they're really, really solid. They've got quality all over the pitch. And, you know, I think the most surprising thing for me today is the fact they won that game at Walsall because it, they're still finding the feet a little bit there. They haven't won many games. You know, they, they seem to do a little bit better at Villa Park than what they do at Walsall. So yeah. that, that for me was probably the kind of the shock element of it today that they were able to pull it off, you know, at Walsall. And that might give them a bit of belief there going forward. But... Yeah, Man City must be sick of the sight of them this year. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we mentioned about Chelsea potentially being favourites. Could Villa be a dark horse in this competition? Why not? Why not? Um, I think they'll, they'll need a home draw in the next round. You know, you wouldn't fancy him going to United or or Chelsea. You know, I'm sure they'd give a good account of themselves. But really, they want a home draw, um, you know, and, and take it from there. Get a big home crowd behind them, hopefully, and... Yeah, who knows what'll happen from there. We're going to look at the championship next. Exercise. It doesn't have to mean Lycra or a fancy gym membership. All you need is 10 minutes and you. Because a regular brisk 10-minute walk is a great way to get more active. Whether that's walking to the shops or getting off the bus to stop early. Picking up the pace and getting your heart pumping can make a real difference to your health. So, to see how much brisk walking you're doing and how you can fit more into your day, download the free Active 10 app. Better health. Let's do this. And in the Championship, Dan, another twist. We thought 
a couple of weeks ago, maybe the title race was over, but London City Lionesses have now cut the lead at the top to three points. They beat league leaders Bristol City thanks to two goals from Atlanta Primus. And an interesting result, a big result, not only for London City Lionesses, but for the league in general. Yeah, I mean, they had, they had to had to win today, London City. You know, anything else and. You know, I I think the the title could have been handed on a plate to Bristol City because Bristol City have been pretty faultless in recent weeks, and you know they've had an absolutely fantastic season. So, um, you know, yeah, it, it they they had to win. If they didn't win, London City for me it was over. They wouldn't get they wouldn't be uh, Bristol City wouldn't get caught. Um, but yeah, it adds a twist into it. Looking at both sides' games that they've got left, I think both could drop points yet. Um, so yeah, we'll wait and see, but it's obviously still in Bristol City's hands at the minute. I think, um, you know, I, I still fancy Bristol City. Just you know, they're, they're really good at home, and you know that Lauren's got them playing really, really well. Um, but you know, it's a cat amongst the pigeons, isn't it now? And you know, it just asks a few mental questions of them now, and you know, London City. You know, doing quite well under the caretaker management as well. London City seem to recover now, don't they? From the uh... The loss of the manager going, and it just seems that again, like I say, because I think the, she left, didn't she? And then they, they had to play Bristol City away. They lost that game, and it took them a couple of weeks to recover. But they seem to be back on track now, don't they? Yeah, it's an interesting one because obviously they've gone with the caretaker option, you know, at least till the end of the season. And it's one of them. If it goes right, then obviously you know they made the right decision and. You know everything all's well that's that ends well sort of thing. But if it doesn't, you know people will ask the question. You know, well, you know when Mel Phillips left, should you have appointed a permanent manager? Should you have got somebody in with experience of a head coach role? And you know all those kind of questions. So, you know, to, to be fair on Nikita Runnicles, who's currently kind of steady in the ship there, she's doing a great job. They're obviously the transition has been quite seamless, which I think is what they were hoping for. Um, so, you know, that they're in a good position and, you know, it's not over. What could be over, Dan, is the relegation battle. Charlton won 4-1 at Coventry United at Butts Park. It was a hat-trick for Mel Johnson in the end. Emily Simpkins added a fourth uh, cross, got a goal back for Coventry United. And that puts them now nine points adrift of Blackburn Rovers and after a little mini revival for Coventry United, they, they just slipped up the last couple of weeks. We'll talk about Sheffield United in a minute, but they brought in a new manager they've been picking up. And there's only really Blackburn now in their sights. Yeah, I think it's over. I think it's over. I thought after the recruitment that they had over Christmas, um, you know, I thought it was really solid and I thought they had a real chance. Obviously, they got a couple of good results just after Christmas, but... Um, you know, and you, you felt that Sheffield United was slipping into it as well, particularly that kind of gap after when Neil Redfern left and, you know, it took a long time to fill their vacancy, which they've done quite well. Um, but, you know, Jonathan Morgan's come in, it's just added that experience that they need at, you know, managerial level to 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 kind of push the club, you know, towards safety, I suppose, and, you know, give them a platform for next year. So it's going to be really, really hard for Coventry now. Obviously, I think the result today they didn't want in terms of the sides above them. Um, but yeah, they'll they'll you know I suppose it's a better position that they're in than you know what is it Christmas twenty twenty one um you know when obviously players were out of work and all that sort of thing so yeah it's it's tough you know I, th I think they are probably going down but you know let's hope that they've got the finance and the correct level of backing to you know to hopefully bounce back yeah absolutely the main thing is that they are 
going as a club in the main and with Lee Birch there as well, there's certainly be better times ahead that you feel. Up in the northeast, as I mentioned, Sheffield United, they got a good point away at Sunderland. And, and as you mentioned, a really shrewd appointment there in Jonathan Morgan, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, he's won the league. He's won the league before. He's obviously worked in a full-time role there. You know, if I, I don't know whether they're going to be able to go full-time or not, reading about the club's issues or, you know, rumoured issues at the minute. But he's worked full-time, he's worked part-time as well, you know, at Leicester City. I believe he's a club's first-ever full-time manager as well, at the women's level anyway. Ah, didn't know that, didn't know that. But, yeah, I mean, that that's a good move. You know, when you hear, you know, Sheffield United's a collective, there's a few kind of negative mutterings at, a minute, at the minute, particularly to around the men's side and, you know, where they are financially. So, yeah, um, yeah, if he's coming full-time, then, you know, that's obviously a signal of intent that, you know, that they're wanting to kick on, which is absolutely great to see. But, yeah, he's the right man. They had to get the right man because, obviously, you know, they're in a bit of a predicament and we're already seeing things turn around there and, you know, hopefully they're going to kick on. You know, they've got somebody there who knows... The kind of you know South Yorkshire, Derbyshire, Midlands area in terms of player recruitment. So, you know, hopefully they'll get to the end of the season, they'll be safe, and you know they can build and come back much much stronger next season and much more competitive. Southampton, as we mentioned, Dan, uh, they've drifted a little bit. They've had a good first season in the Championship, haven't they? But they're just kind of on a bit of a, a downward spiral now, aren't they? They lost one 0 at home to Durham. Yeah, I think. Um... You know, probably the first half of the season set the bar way too high, you know, and I think, you know, Southampton as a club weren't getting overexcited by it, but maybe we were looking at it and thinking, well, look at this club, they've come into the league, they've took it like a breath of fresh air and, you know, they're kicking on, they've got a chance of promotion. I think, you know, their their view on it was week by week, you know, that they weren't looking at the title, but, um, you know, they, they haven't been bad after Christmas, results haven't been what they were hoping for, um, but, you know, it's... It's a tough league, you know. D- Durham, D- you never know what you're going to get with Durham. I mean, it's difficult to play up here in the northeast, but you know they're, they're always capable. And Sunderland are the same as well. To be fair, despite maybe having limited resources, sometimes the, you know, they they're always capable of springing a shock. Um, so you know, credit to Durham there. They've gone there today, got their result, and um, you know, Southampton are still learning. They're still, you know. I think obviously they've come out the National League, they've got a lot of young players, they've got players who've maybe played National League and maybe not so much um, you know, championship football. So they might need to add a little bit more experience in the summer. But, you know, they can be proud of what they've done this year. Um, you know, they're gonna finish top half, I would have thought, and um, you know, it's a good base for next year. And, you know, it, it, it I don't know what kind of knock on effect the men's predicament's going to have if you know the men go stay stay in the Premier League or go down you never quite know how that's going to work but you know it looks like it's kind of a solid setup at Southampton and you know you'd hope that you know they're going to push for promotion to the Super League in the coming years. We're going to move on and look at the National League and in the north again it's great to see a title race this season. A couple of interesting results in midweek before we look at the weekend's results. West Brom they played Wolves and it finished 3-1 to Wolverhampton Wanderers, which means they are in third. They move closer to Nottingham Forest because it ended up being a really 
surprising result down at Loughborough Lightning. Now, we spoke to Monique Robinson last week, who's from Leicester City, and she had a loan spell at Loughborough Lightning before Christmas, and she said how tough it was for the girls and what a struggle it was. However, they pulled off a fantastic 2-2 draw with Forrest, which stopped them in their tracks. Now, neither Forrest or Wolves played at the weekend. Burnley did. They won 4-1 against Derby, who are in fourth. That means Burnley are in second. They're only a point behind Forest and Wolves are in third they're just three points behind Forest. so what an interesting few days in the National League North yeah it's such a tight competitive league that um you know we saw it last year you know there's a few clubs who've been kind of punching high for for promotion now for a few seasons I mean you mentioned Burnley there obviously they've had a bit of a managerial um kind of change around with Jonathan Morgan leaving but you know, obviously, I think it's Jay Bradford there who's kind of steadied the ship. Somebody who knows that league really, really well as well. So, you know, that's that's maybe not a, a shock that you know they've, you know that that they're doing really well. Um, but you know, there's some big names, some big clubs up there. Um, you know, as you say, Forrester leading at the minute. You know, Wolves are a huge club. Obviously, Premiership resources from the men's side. If they wanted to push, they could push. Um, you know, Derby as well. So. You know, it's competitive. You are still going to have that ding-dong against the South in the playoff final at the end of the season, which needs correcting. Um, but, yeah, really competitive. It's going to be a fight to the death. And, you know, let's see who, who wins promotion. Next weekend, it's the Big East Midlands derby between Derby and Nottingham Forest. That is at Pride Park. Stay tuned to our Instagram page because we are going to have some behind-the-scenes look there for us next week, courtesy of a Derby player. All will be revealed throughout the week. Uh, in the south as well, it's equally as tight. Only Ipswich Town played, who are at the top. They won 4-1 away at bottom of the table, Crawley Wasps, which means that they go above Oxford United. Oxford United didn't play in the end. They were supposed to be away at Watford. But uh, again, you've got the likes of Oxford, who just missed out, didn't get Ipswich, who were top for so much of the season, last season before losing out to Southampton. And Watford, who are... Going to be pretty ominous opponents as well. They've, they've, they've always had a couple of games in hand, so they know what they need to do as well. Absolutely. And again, you've got a really competitive league where there's only one team who goes into a final and, you know, will they get promoted? Won't they get promoted? It's it's that kind of unfair kind of um, climax that we've kind of discussed in the past. Um, you know, it needs to be at least one up, one down from each league. Um you know, we, we can't be having this playoff scenario every season. It needs it needed sorting last year, it needs sorting this year. Um absolutely. So, yeah, you've got some great clubs. I mean, Oxford and Watford have both been in the championship or the equivalent of in recent years. Ipswich have obviously always been up there the, the last couple of seasons. Um and and Portsmouth are another club who seem to just always be moving forward. So yeah, some great clubs. I suppose it, it's going to be interesting with Ipswich because obviously they were up there last year and Southampton pipped them. Um, so, you know, mentally it's a big mental test for them in the next few weeks. So, yeah, I wouldn't like to put a name on who's going to be playing in, you know, in, in the championship. Um, you know, obviously games in hand for Oxford and Watford, so that's going to make things even tighter and probably, you know, shift things around a little bit at the top. We're going to go back to the top of the tree and it's the Champions League fixtures coming up this week. On Tuesday evening, Arsenal travel to Germany to take on Bayern Munich and Roma host Barcelona to really sort of 
Well, I say difficult times to predict. Everyone expect Barcelona to go through. Roma are having a, a fantastic first campaign in the Champions League. Uh, you can't see really past Barcelona in that tie, can you, Dan? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be fascinating. The fixtures are absolutely fascinating, and you know, I, I might have mentioned on here before that you know I think the champ, the women's Champions League is probably one of the most improved competitions in in sport of any kind of sport. You know, it really is fantastic. But yeah, I mean, you know, you're looking at the usual candidates as the um, you know, the ones to beat, really. You know, you'd expect Barca to be there. Leon Chelsea's gonna be interesting, isn't it? I suppose, because I don't think Leon are probably as hot as what they were last year. Um, you know, I, I don't see them being dominant over the next five years or so. Um and you know, you've got some other clubs who are, you know, Arsenal being one of them as well, who, you know, fancy a shot at, you know, trying to get in the final. So yeah, some fantastic games, but yeah, if I had to, you know, the the, the one which kind of jumps out to say they they will probably win it would be Barcelona, in terms of the quarterfinal ties. Yeah, and as you mentioned, I mean, on Wednesday that the two mouthwatering ties there. You you mentioned Chelsea away at Lyon and Paris Saint Germain host former finalist and winners, of course, Wolfsburg. Uh, Chelsea need to. Do you, do you feel they need to get a positive result in France to take back to Kings Meadow? Yeah, they just they they need to be in it. They need to be in it. They don't want to be coming away with the two or three nil defeat and then have absolutely everything to do back at Kings Meadow. Um, I, I think they will. I think they're capable. They're playing well enough at the minute. Um, you know, it, it would probably be a little bit of a freak, freak result, a freak performance if they went and got heavily beaten. Um, you know, I think Leon are obviously a great side, but you know, at times this season they maybe haven't played as well as they could. They've had a lot of injuries, so you know that it it's a difficult tie for Chelsea. It's a very very difficult tie. I think out of them and Arsenal, they've had the more difficult one. Um, but you know, again, when you look at the way that Arsenal got through their group, which included Leon, you know, they, they should fear nobody really. Brill. Well, uh, Dan, that is it. Thanks very much for, for joining us. And don't forget to follow us on social media. It's at TWFP1 on Twitter. And we are also on the Women's Football Podcast on Instagram. As I say, give us a follow on there and, and find out what is happening behind the scenes at Derby County against Nottingham Forest in that big National League North clash next weekend. Uh, thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you all very soon. 